Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. What's up, y'all? I'm Bima. I'm the host of Claim of Stories, and you're now tuning in to OPP Podcast. God bless everybody, and welcome back to another episode of OPP, Other People's Podcast is America's number one podcast discovery platform that highlights your favorite podcasters and the dope shows they created. I'm your host, Corey Cambridge. Our special guest this episode is Bima Williams, host of the amazing podcast, Claim of Stories with Bima. On this podcast, Bima interviews leading and emerging creatives of color about how they were able to break into the notoriously guarded creative and sneaker industry. In this episode, Bima chats with me about his career in the sneaker industry. We get his podcaster's picks, and of course, we get into his dope show, Claim of Stories with Bima. So, without further ado, allow me to introduce you to Bima Williams. Bima, what's going on, dog? I'm doing all right. How you feeling? Dude, I can't complain. Life is good, man. We out here. You know what I'm saying? West Coast living. Yeah, man. It's 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 on the West Coast. We living all right. Uh, you know, the sun is coming out, so definitely feeling a little better. Definitely people are in better moods. I'm in a better mood. <laughs> oh my God, dude. Yeah, I I really feel like when I walk outside, I just feel the optimism. Like the weather's getting warmer, the vaccines are rolling out. You know, I just feel it off of people. Right. Totally. It, you can feel the shift and you know, just dealing with COVID and also dealing with a lot of the things that were shifting and then that weather, just like, you know, we were all in kind of these little moods. And so now it's starting to open up. So being my man, first, I want to say you have the, you've lived a life that every kid, whether they knew it or not dreamed of living. I remember being, I never saw myself one. I never saw myself ever um, as a kid. I've always loved sneakers. Like to this day, I, I have, probably 40 sneakers. Um, and I grew up in this world where I love sneakers, but didn't even see it as a job. Didn't even see that like people design these or there's an industry behind it. I just liked them. I remember, and they were kids growing up that I remember because I was one of them and that there were kids who would actually be drawing sneakers for fun. Like you would sit in class and just draw sneakers. Oh, I have a ton of stories about that. Like that was, I just, that's just all, I would just do these doodles, right? And just, you know, make up like my favorite basketball sneakers. I don't even, I can't recall the shapes that I was drawing, but I can, I could totally relate to doing that, especially in like elementary school. T tell me, what was the process for you when you realized that that love and that natural passion that we all had as kids for sneakers could be a job? Oh, Corey, honestly, it, it took, quite a long time because to your point you you didn't realize that that it was and I think you know to give a little bit more context to that when I, I think back like the only thing I knew about sneakers was retail 
just like you know so many of my my other friends that you know were were black in the neighborhoods we grew up in we just knew where to buy them we didn't know that people made them we didn't know how they made them we didn't know how these commercials were made or any of these things and so it wasn't until really that i started to understand more about that until like college honestly like later later college like even getting out of college because i graduated and i still didn't <laughs> still didn't know um kind of what the job opportunities were and it wasn't until when i was about 24 that i met someone that worked at this company called Sockney um out in boston and he just broke down his name's juris cooper and he broke down so much information to me about like you know there's this marketing department and i do this and there's people that do that and so i it i honestly didn't learn until super late i always say for a lot of us for me it was it was rap i got into i wanted to be a rapper and i still rap i don't think it ever leaves you um mm -hmm. but i realized once i got to a certain point in my career it didn't make me as happy as i thought it would be. <laughs> it's almost like I enjoyed the journey of it, of getting there more than I enjoyed getting there. Um, once you got to the mountaintop of, you know, working at Nike or Adidas or Saucony, what were the things that, I don't know, maybe you were prepared for when you got there? Um, well, before I get into that, I, I, I also wanted to be a rapper. <laughs> <laughs> Sneakers and rappers. <laughs> Sneakers and rappers. I mean, growing up down south, we there was no limit and cash money. So it was kind of hard not to get caught up in that culture. But um, when I when I made it to these different sportswear and sneaker companies, I think the thing that I wasn't prepared for was the fact that at Saucony, I would be the only one. And what I mean by being the only one is that I was the only black man in that office. And I was coming out of Louisiana, coming out of New Orleans area. And when I got there, I was like, oh my goodness, like where, where's the diversity? Right, right, right. <laughs> and it was something I'd never thought about. Like, I didn't think about that when I took the role. I was just like, you know, great like this is exciting i can get to go work at, like with sneakers and athletes and culture icons like this is going to be super dope i just i had no idea that that's what i was going to be walking into and, and what i tell people is you go through like a scenario of things you just you 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 walk in and you kind of just feel automatically like this fish out of water uh, and it's not necessarily because anyone's treating you wrong at the moment but you just feel so vulnerable and that's that's how i felt and there were two things that, that would happen. I, I would either have this thought where maybe I made the wrong decision and I should move back home or I'm going to overcompensate and I'm just going to work harder. I'm going to work longer um, because I, I, can't, I can't show any sort of mediocrity. I have to be better than everybody uh, because I'm the only one. And what's so interesting about that too, Bima, is that it's almost like growing up, sneakers, what makes sneakers cool are us, right? Right? And so it's so it's so fascinating that we make sneakers cool. I always say things can be a, things can be successful, right? But things aren't cool unless it's stamped by us, you know? But it's so interesting that inside of the walls 
of the products that we buy, we weren't inside of them. Yeah. And, and that's what's so bizarre to me that for so long, a lot of these companies didn't understand that. And they, you know, we're, we haven't been in those halls. We're still talking about those conversations today. And, you know, these companies wonder why, you know, their, their lines aren't growing or they aren't making more profits. And it's like, you don't have that. You don't have the person that's buying your product working at the company. Right. <laughs> like that's a, that's a challenge. You're missing, you're missing a whole point of view about how to connect more to that, to that community. What is that community actually like? What colors they like? What materials, right? Like who are the people that influence them? It's just so much is missing when, when we aren't, there and so i want you to treat me like an executive um treat me like an executive and i'm gonna bring you into the boardroom and i want you to tell me hey what could i do to help get more people like us or not just us but other Mm -hmm. people of other into the company into the space involved in the industry you know one of the first things i would say that's not going to be a popular opinion is that well, likely, if you're sitting at that table, you're likely a white man. And so what I would say is maybe it's time for you to find another table and make some space for some other folks to come to that table. Because as long as you're there, not much is going to change because are you? there's not going to be much space for the rest of us to get there. Um, after that, after there's space made for us to come to the table, I think you need to have systems in place where those diverse voices and you can't just bring in one, you need to bring in, you know, you know, almost, you know, 50%, 40%, right? So that when decisions are being made, there's enough diversity in the room, um, you know, no matter ethnicity, gender identity, what have you, you need to make sure that that's in the room so that when you're talking through proposals and you're talking through opportunities and growth, you have different people that can have a point of view because what happens is a lot of times you might bring in one person, you might bring in one gender, one race, and they'll have an opinion on something and their voice might get overshadowed because the rest of the room is still the same. And that room is still comfortable with the ideas and the thoughts that everyone else in that room has. And nine times out of 10, it doesn't change anything. So you have to really consider like, hey, we are going to make space for, you know, 40% more folks, you know, from a diverse background to come in here. We want to hear their voices. We want to set up a fair system so that can happen. And then you start to see real change. Uh, and then the third piece would be if you're, if you're doing that and your house is actually in order. And I think that's the key, right? Like, is your house in order? If your house is in an order, I think you need to figure out how you want to start working with um, bringing in new talent or how you collaborate with creatives outside uh, outside of the, 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 the brand, the walls of the brand, right? And to me, that more so comes down to adopting new strategies for doing that. And, you know, whether that's through uh, social media or agencies or podcasts, like, really starting to figure out different ways to do that because otherwise you just might fall susceptible for the, to the same ways that people have always started to seek talent and which is likely proximity. Before we get into your podcast, um, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to switch 
the roles now. So now you talk to me as an executive, but now talk to me as your brother, as your friend, as someone who's who's a fan of uh, the fashion industry and a fan of sneakers. What can I do, our listeners do, at, collectively to help get more people like us or other into those spaces and create opportunities? The number one thing that I would... I would encourage folks and I encourage a lot of people that reach out to me that in any industry, it doesn't matter. This doesn't matter the industry and it would be, you need to network and get to know people. And it doesn't mean you need to be an ultra power networker. I'm not telling you, you know, if you're a shy person, I'm not telling you that you need to be um, going out of your way to put yourself in uncomfortable situations, but Above and beyond, the thing that has helped me the most in my career is genuinely connecting with someone, telling them what I'm passionate about, um, sharing what my skill set is, what I've been able to accomplish, showing, you know, showing a portfolio of, of work. And when I say portfolio, at the time, my portfolio that got me to Sockney was Instagram. So you're, you could get creative with what that portfolio is. Um, and and have a some sort of goal of what you think you might want your career to be like you don't have to be exact some of us are at a different place in our careers where we have a bit more of a sharp vision some of us are still forming that and it's a bit wide open that's okay too but i would say you need to be cultivating relationships even before you necessarily have an ask or no and be genuine about it. Don't. It's not just because you want something out of someone. It's because you want to get to know them, um, and and perhaps they can help enrich your life. But then you can also perhaps enrich their life. And I think that's what folks have to understand when you're connecting or networking and building relationships. It's always a two-way street, right? It's not just not just take take take. It's also how can I how can I give information back to someone else. Man, and you know, I was going to get right into your podcast, but you touched on something that really resonated with me in, in, in that response because, you know, I, I took a very informal route. Now, I feel like with, um, the, way tech, with the way the technology is moving now, and I don't feel like as college is as important. It's important, but not as important as it was 20 years ago, 30 years ago because of the internet. And we can put ourselves out on the internet. And you mentioned something about Instagram. And so I want to also encourage people who may not have a formal or technical or traditional educational background. And you talked about your Instagram being your portfolio. Are there any other DIY ways that you can showcase your talent um, that doesn't come from a traditional background? Oh my goodness. Totally. Right. Like I, I remember I was, uh, I was mentoring, um, I was mentoring this kid that wanted to work at Nike and, they want to be a product line manager in footwear. And that's like a super coveted role because you get to, you're part of like bringing sneakers to life. <laughs> like it is a dream role. Uh, it's like, you're right next, you're working with designers, you're working with these people called developers who work back with the factories that actually turn these sketches and molds into actual sneakers. And they're like, Oh, you know, I can't, you know, I got retail experience, but you know, I, there's not really opportunities in Nike just yet. Like, what do you think I could do? And I'm like, why don't you create like a mock, like a mock brand? Like, why don't you create a mock release plan? Like, it doesn't have to be a real 
thing to to show that you have an understanding and you're, that you're trying to learn. Uh, you know, I spoke with someone this season, uh, a young woman named Jade Purple Brown, who's out of New York, and Jade had aspired to be a creative director, an art director, and she didn't have any experience. And so she would make fake packaging. She would make fake brand campaigns. She would, you know, make these things not to fake anyone out, but to say, hey, I took this liberty on my own to show what's possible with my, my skill set. And I would always encourage, like, don't wait. I think that's the other thing is don't wait for someone for that opportunity to, to come along. Be ready. Be ready. Like, figure out, like, how you can show off your talent. You know, for musicians, they post snippets of songs on social media. For designers, they post sketches of their sneakers. Uh, for uh, podcasters, we post snippets of our conversations. And that's a way of showing the quality of our work or showing examples of our work. Um, I would challenge anyone, any creative, any professional, anyone that's trying to get an opportunity and, and build connections. It's like, well, first you got to give someone something worth having a conversation about. Bima, we're going to take a quick break. When we get back, we're going to your podcast, Claim of Stories. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Sabima, tell me, how'd you first fall in love with the medium of podcasting? Goodness. Um, I, I fell in love with podcasting probably around 2017, 2018. And um, I... I would go out for my morning run and, you know, I found a lot of times I just automatically turn on music and I love music. Don't get me wrong. And I still listen to music on my, my runs today, but I was also starting to get into audiobooks at that time as well. And I started to listen to audiobooks, and then a couple friends would send me podcasts from time to time. And naturally I just started to get obsessed with, with some of these different podcasts because I just loved, um, hearing some of these stories through through audio and those were the type of podcasts that I really started to to resonate with me are the ones where you hear stories from different walks of life and, and different people and so it just became it became this new obsession of mine just hearing like stories of people whether they were creating businesses or stories about people that were working um in, in streetwear and how how they were doing some of these different things. But I just thought it was such a, a dope platform. Um, and it was a kind of natural segue for someone who like just listening to music on, you know, apps like Tidal. Now for folks who, uh, yes, who are gonna listen to Claim of Stories, yes, they can go through the show notes and read what it's all about. But in your own words, can you give me the elevator pitch of what the show's all about? Yeah, totally. So uh, Claim of Stories, Claim of Short for Claim a Seat at the Table. And we tell stories about BIPOC creatives, right? We tell the stories about their career journey, where they started, 
uh, how they really started to get into their careers. Where did they stumble? Where did they get help? How were they able to get some of those first projects that really kicked off their careers? You know, for example, Jeff Staple of uh, Pigeon and Sable Pigeon and, you know, his story about creating the dump too. But before that, like he had to go to Japan and like he didn't know Japanese and really like running through the city to try to figure out who could connect them uh, to ultimately uh, today, Jeff has his, his own podcast. And we love to tell that story because a lot of times people like myself and you, we, we might see those things happening, but we don't understand how they got there, right? And so for me, when I was working in sneaker industry, it was like, well, how, how do you get to some of these roles? How do you get to become a designer? How do you get to be a collaborator? Um, but now working with someone like Jeff is like, how do you become a successful entrepreneur and, and personality? And so what we, why we do that is because we want to help creatives claim their own dream career, whatever that career may be. We want those stories to help them do that. And I always say, Bima, I learned so much about myself from interviewing other people. What have you learned about yourself from getting the stories of creators that you admire? I would say what I've learned is that um, for so long, I thought I was doing something wrong uh, and it, that wasn't necessarily the case. Like when we interviewed Melody Asani, she's a designer out of LA and she spoke about kind of similar things that I would say is like, like, I just didn't know these careers existed, right? Like Melody had no idea about design until, you know, after she decided she wasn't going to go or, or product, product design until after she decided she wasn't going to go to law school. And it was because we'd never been exposed to these things. A lot of times folks from BIPOC communities, you know, these black, brown, indigenous communities, we, uh, we only know about law and like medicine and some of these things that our parents really want us to do because they they really want us to have a better life and we just we just don't know all the things that we we can accomplish with our creativity and so today with so many of these incredible creatives and these new digital tools that are accessible we can create careers out of so many different things and that's truly what 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 I've learned and I'm even still evolving, right? Like I, I stepped away from my my corporate profession uh, last August. And so now I'm in a, in a new space where I'm also learning from some of the folks that I interview about how they were able to grow their businesses and how they're able to shape their lives around what they're passionate about. Before we get to your podcast, Respects Bima, is there anything you want listeners to walk away with after listening to an episode of Claim Stories? Totally. I think the, the most important thing that folks should, should understand is that when you're going to come listen to Claim Stories, you're going to leave with the most inspiring stories about the careers of Black, Brown, Indigenous, um, people of color, creatives, and the careers they've been able to claim. You know, you're going to leave that and you're going to be thinking, ooh, I wonder, I wonder if it's time for me to pursue the thing that I've been really interested in and, you know, who can I speak with, or maybe I can go start my portfolio now, or, or maybe I can go ask this person for support and help. It's gonna, it's gonna fire you up so much because these stories, 
make you understand that you can you can do this too like you can truly go accomplish and really go pursue what you're truly passionate about and so if you're someone who is a creative and you're looking for that inspiration and you're looking for that community that's why you want to come listen to claim of stories and bima we've come to a part of the show called our podcasters picks now this is when i ask the guests of today's show provide me with their top three favorite podcasts that they enjoy that we should be listening to so bima take it away yeah, so I, I would say the first one would be At Your Service Imprint uh, by Noor, which is uh, a great podcast. And they talk about the, the experience of story and uh, it's great. They do great things on, on, on live interviews um, on, on Instagram and all of that. So definitely love that. Um, huge fan of um, How I Built This with Guy Raz. I love hearing those entrepreneur stories and how folks were able to, uh, you know, turn cookies into uh, these these giant brands. You know, my, my wife has a, a plant-based um, ice cream company called Kate's Ice Cream here in Portland. So we're, we both kind of love those stories. And then the, the other one that I'm a huge fan of um, is Jeff Staple. And uh, it's the business of hype. Uh, just being a kid that grew up loving streetwear and hearing some of these stories behind some of these creatives it's just it's ultra inspiring uh so so super love that and then uh honorable mention uh but not honorable mention just me trying to sneak a fourth in is song exploder um they have that new series on netflix but it's super super good and hey, before we get out of here why do you podcast i love this I love I love being able to connect with with people like you. I you know I would always say my my best skill when I was coming up in corporate was that I I was great at communicating with people um, and I loved it. I just love spending that time hearing folks' stories um, and just getting to know someone genuinely. I think I got some of that from from my dad growing up in the South, like we would, I mean, this guy would have a conversation with someone in the superstore, a supermarket for like 40 minutes. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm just like, hey, I'm just trying to go get to the, I just want to go sit in the car. <laughs> he, he was a podcaster before podcasting. Podcaster before podcasting. I'm so serious. Like if you, if you meet this guy, it's just literally, you just, I'm just like, it's crazy. So that's, that's where, that's where um, I got it from, but that's why I love it. I love connecting with new people um, like yourself. Bima, thank you so much for being a guest on the show. I'm a big fan of Claim of Stories. I'm a big fan of you and what you do and what you represent and what you represent to the space. Congratulations on being number one on Apple in the careers category. Thank you. My friend, that's really, really big. We need more people like us up in the charts. See more of us yeah. up in the charts. I, I hope Apple is is listening, paying attention. There's a lot of great, you know, BIPOC creatives creating con uh, podcast content out. We need to be elevated. We need to be having the same visibility as our counterparts. Thank you all so much for tuning in to another episode of OPP and to our special guest, Bima Williams. Be sure to check out his amazing podcast, Claimer Stories with Bima on Apple, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. This episode was produced by Justin Richards. Music for this episode was produced by Richie Quake. And are you down with OPP? If so, 
be sure to check out opp.news for the latest in podcast news and releases. And while you're still listening, how about giving me a five-star rating and leaving me a comment in the Apple app? It'll truly mean a lot. Well, I'm your host, Corey Cambridge. Pod bless everybody. Till next time. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.